Likutei Sichais, Chelik Yudzayin, Volume 17, Pirkei Aves, Perik Gimel, Chapter 3. Now this is from one of those famous explanations and insights from the Rebbe on the deeper meaning of the Pirkei Aves, which we recite and study between the weeks, between Pesach and Shavuos, and as many do, as is the custom in Chabad, we continue to do so all the way until the last week of the year, the week, the Shabbos prior to Rosh Hashanah. Just as an introduction to have a general perspective to help us flow through the Psicha itself, Pirkei Aves, as the sages explain in the Talmud, in the Gemara, is geared for, is designed for, a person who, quote, wants to be extra pious. Thus, Pirkei Aves is called Mile de Chasidusa. Perhaps it can be translated words of extra piety beyond the letter of the law. Meaning after one meets their basic requirement as a Jew and they want to go take it to the next level, be above and beyond that which the law basically requires. Another thing to take into account is that the Mishnayas, the Mishnas in Perkei each paragraph, each Mishnah is very exact. Meaning sometimes on the surface you can have several items which are presented in one Mishnah and they don't seem to have a connection between one another. But the Rebbe always emphasizes that indeed this was done intentionally and therefore there must be a connection between the two. One sometimes just needs to look a little beneath the surface in order to find and better appreciate how the two seemingly different ideas, seemingly different topics, how they both come together. Let's go into the Mishnah itself. So this is chapter 3, Mishnah 2. And it begins, Rabbi Hanina Sgan HaKoyenim Oimer. Rabbi Hanina, who was the deputy of the Koyen Godels in his time, says the following, You should always pray for the welfare of the Malchus. Malchus literally means kingdom, kingship, which over here means the government. Always pray for the welfare of the government. For not for, if not for the fear of it, one man would swallow one another alive. Each person would swallow the other alive. That's the first part of the Mishnah. Then the Mishnah continues and says, Rabbi Hanina ben Tradion Oimer, another Rabbi Hanina, which is Rabbi Hanina, the son of Tradion, says, Two who sit. However, there isn't an exchange of words in Torah between them. This is like a company of scorners. And he shenemar, as it says, and he brings a verse for it. And then he continues. Avo. Avo means however. Two who are sitting, and there is an exchange of words of Torah between them. The divine presence, the shechina, rests between the two of them. Shenemar, and for this he brings a pasik, it says, Oz Hashem. Then the God-fearing conversed. Notice that he says the God-fearing conversed, Ishare, one to the other. By Yakshiv Hashem Aishma, and Hashem pays close attention and he listens. By Yikosav Zephazikarunfanov, and he writes it in the book of remembrance before him. Liyire Hashem to those who fear God and consider his name. So the Rebbe asks some very obvious questions. Number one, we know that as we mentioned in the introduction, the sages tell us that Pirkei Aves is for one who, is look, who seeks to be extra pious, above and beyond. 
In other words, Pirkei Abbas is not designed to help one refrain from doing actual prohibitions, from, act, from committing actual sins, but rather to do something what's called Lifnimi Shurasadin. Why would somebody who is in that level need to be warned not to, quote, swallow another alive, which in plain simple English sounds like to kill another person, to do away with another person, to rub out another person. Why would he have to be, um, you know, advise this empirically obvious when it seems to be an obvious rule in the Torah that you're not allowed to hurt another person, that you're not allowed to kill another person. Moreover, a second question, there seems to be an emphasis over here on Chaim Beloi, on quote, swallowing another alive. Doesn't say plain and simple. In other words, why is this poetic expression? Why not just say a person would kill the other if it were not for the fear of the government? A third question. This whole idea that perhaps a Jew is capable, were susceptible of causing bad, causing harm to another, to the point of killing them, it seems to be so foreign to a Jew. It seems to be so foreign, so distant from what a Jew is all about, especially somebody who is on the level of mili de chasidusa, of extra piety. So the whole thing doesn't seem to make sense. Why would I even think that somebody would do bad to another in, if somebody's already at this level that they're studying, that they're being guided by Perkeyavis? And the fourth question, of course, the obvious, what is the second part of the Mishnah? have with the first part. It doesn't seem to be, there seem to be two totally different items. One doesn't seem to be remotely connected to the other. This is talking about not hurting somebody, it's talking about sitting with someone else and studying Torah. And here says the Rebbe, here's the clarification in all of this. As we mentioned above, Pirkei Aves is indeed Mili de Chasidusa. It's words of extra piety, of above and beyond, beyond the letter of the law. Thus, it's obvious that one who's in that level does not have to be uh, advised, does not have to be cautioned not to hurt someone, not to kill someone, not to steal from someone, but rather there is a need to advise this person, to caution this person not to quote-unquote swallow the other alive. And this is specifically because of his high level, because of his great achievement. You see, when someone reaches such a high level, when someone reaches such great achievement in knowledge, in Torah knowledge, and in piety, one can perhaps come to a point where maybe, perhaps, they may start to not consider the other because that person indeed, compared to him, is a very simple person, is not knowledgeable, is not accomplished in Torah and mitzvahs. And therefore, they may quote-unquote cancel out that person or swallow the other person alive. They're not going to kill the person, but they're going to swallow. What happens when you swallow something? It becomes part of you. It, doesn't, it ceases to exist as a separate entity, and it becomes absorbed. It becomes swallowed up in your entity. In other words, they're going to overshadow the other person. And therefore, the Mishnah cautions him that you need to be concerned about this, especially because, specifically because you're on a high level of um, achievement in Torah and in good deeds, in mitzvahs and so on. 
in order for one to affect this by themselves, it's not sufficient that they should think about it and contemplate it and, and, and come to a conclusion of how terrible it is to put down the other person, how terrible it is to cancel out the other person, because words may not, or thoughts may not effectively help the person to come to that place where they actually won't do this. In other words, they may not be able to affect themselves in the fullest extent to be able to to, to be complete in this, to be wholesome in this idea of not putting down another person. Rather, therefore the Mishnah says, you have to, quote, pray for the welfare of the Malchus. Malchus in this context means government, but Malchus literally means kingship, governance. Now, where does Malchus come from? This will immediately trigger in the person's mind. When one starts to pray for the government down here, in this world, one immediately will remember what it says in the Gemara, that Malchusa de Ara ke'e Malchusa de Rekia. That the kingship down here, governance down here, where does it stem from? And it's a reflection of the Malchus above, the true Malchus. When he remembers, when he starts praying for the government for the kingship down here that's when he will it will trigger in his mind the awareness and the presence of the true kingship the king of kings hashem himself and this will now instill a fear in him for hashem himself this will give him true moira true yira for hashem which obviously what is the definition of yira of hashem when you have fear of hashem that you don't feel any feeling of greatness over another person because you feel total subservience total north total beetle to the abishter himself and therefore when you have this meaning when you have the idea you have shloima shel malchus when you have the peace of kingship down here that is a reflection of the peace of kingship up there and therefore, when you're praying for Shlema Shel Malchus down here, this reminds you about Malchus Shemayim, about the kingship of heaven. And therefore, you're more likely to be able to overcome that, that urge, that feeling of putting somebody down, of, quote, swallowing someone else alive and making them feel like they're nothing compared to you. However, the Yitzhahara is a professional at his, at his work. He is an absolute... Uh, an absolute um, an absolute uman as the Gemara says he is a professional and he knows his work very well and therefore he can try to confuse the person and try to distort the person's vision of this even when the person is thinking about the greatness of Malchus Shemaim even when the person is becomes fully aware of how he is nothing compared to Hashem, and therefore he shouldn't, you know, be misnase. He shouldn't lift himself above another and put on another. And that's why the Tana emphasizes not just that one has to reflect on this, but he emphasizes that one has to pray for this. Why? Because when one prays, what they're doing is they're asking Hashem, please help me. Literally to ask Hashem to help him come to this point, realizing that I am my own may not be able to successfully accomplish this, especially considering that the Eight Sahara might come in to try to distort things. Now that we reach this point, we can very much appreciate how this second part of the Mishnah connects to connects and why it's in this Mishnah. When does one have a true, so to speak, proof that he's actually succeeded in 
coming to this good place, to the being in the right place, where he is not feeling any whatsoever greatness over another person, he is not quote-unquote swallowing the other person, that's when you have shnayim sheyoshvim, when two sit. What does it mean when two sit? The Rebbe says the emphasis, is, emphasis here is two are sitting, two are sitting together. They're sitting together and there are words of Torah between them. What does that mean, says the Rebbe? Not that one, that the person who indeed is a great scholar and a great tzaddik is sitting and feeling a sense of he is one, he is the one, he is perhaps the teacher, and he is teaching somebody who is less than him. He is teaching somebody who is subservient to him. No, but that he gets the sense and truly believes, truly feels, because of his accomplishment of not feeling like swallowing another, not feeling um, greater than the other, because he has the fear of heaven, he sits, Shnayim Sheyoshim, he's sitting together with another person. They sit together and they are learning together, even if he's the one doing the teaching, but he doesn't feel like he is sitting above the other and the other p- person is sitting lower than him or less than him. They are sitting together. They are Shnaim Sheyoshim. There's true Bittu and between them, meaning it's between them, it's together, there are words of Torah. That's when the Shechina is there. That's when the presence, the divine presence rests between them. And now we can also better appreciate the Pasik, the verse that the Tana brings in order to back this up. In the Pasik it says that Vayakshiv Hashem, he listens to the Yireh Hashem, to those who fear God. Because really you can ask, this is not a matter of fear of God. We're talking about the study of Torah. So where does the fear of God come to play here? Why did he choose this verse to describe a scenario of two people learning together? It seems that learning has, is, more, is not a, a, a matter of yiras Hashem, of fear of Hashem, because learning is an intellectual endeavor. It's where you use your mind. It's not where you use your heart for fear. says the Rebbe, this is very, very precise. This is very exact. The Tanah chose, chose this Pasuk in order to, show, to express to us that how is it possible you should have two people studying together and both feeling like on the same level, even the, the one who's greater than the other, the one who needs to be um, cautioned not to feel greater than the other. How can they come together? Because they're Yiri Hashem, because they have true fear of Hashem, as we discussed in the first part of the Mishnah. And because he has true fear of Hashem, he has true subservience of Hashem that he feels, and therefore it's possible that they should be Nidbaru and they should be able to discuss between themselves as if they're both on the same level, and therefore the Shekhinah is there with them.